0: Welcome back, my friends, to the In Obscuria (laughs) Podcast podcast where we bark a lot. Thank you Ronnie James Dio. A podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal and we put them in one of three categories. The lost, the forgotten, or the should have beens. I set him off. What is going on? He's as excited as I am.
1: We're all excited to be here.
0: His name is Ronnie James D.O.G. My name is Kevin Williams and that's Robert Harrison.
1: Man, I'm out of breath. Not because of the stairs I just climbed, no. I was was downstairs in the... uh, Doing some working out? I I was working out in the shop. I was bending one inch thick solid steel bars with my bare hands. That's why I'm tired.
0: Heavy metal.
1: Yeah, I mean, with my bare hands and a pipe wrench with a long piece of pipe and heating up till they're red hot. So, I mean, not just my bare hands, but my bare hands were part of the action at least, you know. Okay. So yeah, that was all part of the, my evening fun.
0: There's a lot going on here. What, so what are you making? What is this Uh I got commissioned
1: to do a sculpture in. and the sculpture is vines that are growing in the shape of a fireplace and the fireplace is no longer there. The rubble of the fireplace is there. It's 150 years old at least. And at some point in the past, it was toppled by a storm, probably. So a friend of mine bought this property and it's in South Carolina, your home state. And so I had the idea one night. We're up there camping and uh, I proposed the idea and he liked it. So I'm going to basically build vines that are the, the memory of the remains of this fireplace. And so that's, I've just got started a few days ago and I've got a long, Long way to go, bending lots and lots of pieces of pipe to make them look like vines. So getting a lot of exercise the next month or so. So that's what you got going on. That's what I got. That's one of the one of the things. Yes. Nice. Oh, and the most important thing tonight is I had sloppy joes for dinner.
0: Oh, no, sloppy joes, sloppy, sloppy joes. Joe.
1: And I think this these qualify as the best sloppy joes I've ever made in my life. I mean, that's a lot. That says a lot. I've made a lot of sloppy. No, is this a
0: pre-made sort of no, mix or you can no, do this yourself?
1: No, 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 no. I crossed that line about about a year and a half ago, and decided to you know just go all when the way. You turned
0: fifty, man. You figured out how to do this. that's right. I'm like after five
1: million <laughs> times, I should know how to do this. And five I, decades in, I got this. I still had, I still had to look it up, but <laughs> you know what? You put in sloppy joes and make them really good. Dijon mustard blew my mind. Had no idea that mustard. Wait, wait, wait. Are we
0: saying that the a French place. have something to do with sloppy joes? Yeah. Well, French listeners out I there, I mean, it
1: makes it. It just gives it that little something something. You know what I'm talking about? All right. So all these things, I had no idea. My My entire life I was missing. Just put a little bit of Dijon mustard in your Sloppy Joes.
0: Yeah. You'll, You'll thank me later. I'm going to blow your mind. Uh, I can't remember the last time I ever had a Sloppy Joe. Maybe I was a child. I'm sending you home
2: with the leftovers. <laughs> I've got...
0: I made so much. Oh, my God. I've, my freezer is half full of Sloppy Joe mix. I, I sort of remember what they taste yeah. like, but I think I was probably 11 years old the last time I had a Sloppy Joe.
1: You know what happens is when it turns cold, I crave two things. Well, I will crave three things. Uh, chili, because mm-hmm. I don't like chili in the summertime. I don't know what it is, but man, it turns cold. I love making chili. I love making Sloppy Joes when it gets cold, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I like oatmeal
0: i hate oatmeal any time of the year that it's above 65 degrees i hate oatmeal now what do you put in your oatmeal because that's kind of uh, what people do is they load it down with other stuff so yeah, they don't taste the oatmeal. so
1: in the old days pre turning 40 yeah it was like <laughs> four scoops of brown sugar on top of it and yeah that was good and now some honey some yeah, cinnamon cinnamon just milk, you know, milk butter butter yeah a little bit of butter whipped cream <laughs> just, Gee, there was no oatmeal in the bowl. To tell you the truth, it was all just sugar and Gummy other things, bears, yeah. And the box was still sitting on the countertop. I forgot to put the oatmeal <laughs> in the bowl, but no, apparently it's healthy. Mm-hmm. If you eat oatmeal, it's actually good for you. And I'm kind of aware of my health these days more than, once again, pre-turning 40, I enjoyed pissing off people like you and my other friends by eating cookie dough in front of you mm-hmm. and eating all kinds of, like chasing. I, I actually did this. I was eating cookie dough and chased it with Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> And now it just absolutely turns my stomach thinking about it. And you don't that. do meth. No, God, no. I mean, I, I should. I mean, I, I really should. I've heard <laughs> you can clean your house in like half a day with that stuff. But yeah, I mean, back then I didn't care. I just, it, it didn't do anything to me back then. And then all of a sudden you hit a certain age and your body goes, you know what? Screw you. I'm not putting up with this crap anymore. So I had to stop doing that among lots of other things. Swore off sodas, swore off all that. I drink my bourbon straight now. That took a little bit of getting used to, but now I enjoy just a glass of bourbon. That's fine. I don't need any mix Or chasers or anything like that so anyway that's our cooking show for today kevin and robert's culinary delights listening to my health problems all
0: right because that's what people tune into and after you drink straight (laughs) bourbon and eat some oatmeal healthy oatmeal (laughs) go listen to pot of thunder cobras and fire growing up rock slam fest podcast decibel geek a to z radio metal up your podcast the hustle disciples of the watch podcast rock city state of America, rock strikes 10 Potter Than Hell podcast, The Kiss Room Ages of Rock Retro Zest Podcast The Synaptic Empire and don't forget about Monty Monty's Rockcast come visit us at inobscuria.com like us, share us, recommend us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and leave us a review please yeah
1: I just texted your wife said y'all should have sloppy joes tomorrow night <laughs> that's gonna go for real well uh okay sure Now your daughters probably like it but i don't know about your wife
0: yeah, I, I doubt if they will they're so weird are really are kids they, are, are weird, they picky man. eaters they are so picky and i was not that way oh, so no. i don't i don't get it at all
1: i don't understand why i wasn't 300 pounds at 12 years old i ate anything and everything you put in front of me
0: yeah my parents put it in front of me i pretty much ate it
1: yeah i was there's yeah. like rutabagas that was the one thing that i'm like nope i'm noping out on the rutabagas
0: sometimes they'd have to tell me though that's not edible that was just decoration you know <laughs> no, <it's still. laughs> that's, <it. laughs>
1: so. that's why my first oh and by the way uh, Ronnie James DOG had his first experience tonight with wasabi ooh how'd so, that go over no, well so my afternoon snack dinner with Sloppy Joe's my afternoon snack was actually sushi so about you know I've got eight meals a day going on these days because I'm burning it off quicker than I can eat it but I uh, let him lick the plate and I didn't notice there was a glob of wasabi left and I wish I had my phone out to record that because there was lots of convulsing and sneezing and running around like something was chasing, <laughs> it was awesome. Don't give your pets wasabi. Do not. Yeah, don't. it's probably a bad idea. It's a bad idea. But if peanut butter is good if they do eat it. M- maybe not. Be sure to film it. it real quick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, man, I uh, I wanted to get back to our standards. You know, we set such a standard for excellence yes. in podcasting. Yeah, we really and, we uh, need to lower our standards a little bit. I wanted to get back to it, so. This Morning. I woke up, had a little juice, you know, and then I went down to the crypt and I, you was know, it I did a little, ju- was did a little it a juice seance. box. It was not a juice box, no, just I, I, poured, juice. I poured the Zeus, the ju- <laughs> the Zeus. I poured the juice, and then I went downstairs and got the old Ouija board out and had a yeah, little seance. Well, it was and dusty, yeah, we haven't used it in a minute. A little bloodletting, as yeah. one does in most mornings, yeah. you know, just normal everyday thing, but Leaches. I thought I'd get back to it. Leeches, yeah. <laughs> A little bloodletting. And I, I reached out to the spirits and I said, Oh spirits, give us something to talk about today and all I could get to spell out was V S. V versus V S. Well, I thought it was Veruca Salt, and then oh, I was like, I don't, I, I don't know that they I really a wanted... a big hit-ish? It was a character in, what was it? Uh, Willy Chocolate Wonka Factory. and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. Well, I'm,
1: okay, I was thinking the band, but yep, yeah, they were named well, after the I didn't the know, year.
0: so I didn't know where they were going for I was trying to think of it. I was like, Velvet Revolver. No, that's Revolver. Uh, Velvet Stilettos. Velvet Underground. No, that doesn't Very work. Very stupid. Veruca Salt was the only thing I could come up with. Yeah. And then I remembered... We had a reference a few weeks ago that spawned a lot of debate on our socials. Uh-oh. And it's a debate that's been going on since the 80s, really. Well, let me just play this, and, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here.
3: Seven deadly sins, seven ways to win, seven holy paths to hell, and your truth begins. Seven downward slopes, seven bloodied hopes seven are your burning fires seven your desires <laughs> I have got about 20,000 Heavy Metal Maniacs in the world. Are you people ready for some Judas Priest-style Heavy Metal? We're for me long,
2: bitch.
0: That's right. It's been a while. It's been over a year, but we are going to do a little degrees of separation. Maiden versus priest. Uh-oh.
1: What jackass stirred this up? Uh, yeah, you. Oh. Sorry.
0: (laughs) We actually did have a lot of a lot of debate about this online and I was like, hmm.
1: Yeah, thinking is the mail slow. I'm about to get the hate letters any day. Yeah, well,
0: you know, I don't think there's a wrong answer really. Oh, I'll find it. Give me time. (laughs) (laughs) So episode one oh one we're going to start off with a degrees of separation. It's been, like I said, over a year since we've done one of these. So what this is, is solo material, other bands and projects outside of the typical artist or group that we're associating here. So this is not going to be us covering Iron Maiden or Judas Priest. It's going to be covering the other projects that the members of those bands have done. Mm -hmm. And we're going to pit them one against the other.
1: I think there's more members in Iron Maiden than Judas Priest. But there's younger members in Judas Priest though. Hmm, It's going to be a good fight.
0: It's going to be a really good fight and actually priest have had six drummers alone so they have more members i think well over the
1: course over the course of the history yeah 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 yeah. i'm talking one time on stage maybe maiden
0: Maiden had a bunch too you're right yeah both of these bands when they started off they had so many different members before they even started recording yeah that is almost you can't count them really but they do when you kind of look up the history but they they toured with them and played shows with them. yeah but never really recorded and we'll we'll go through it i thought i'd give a, a brief history first if if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who Judas Priest or Iron Maiden are, you got some work to do Yeah, uh, because there's a pretty mainstream kind of established what heavy metal is. But I'll just give you the, the quick down and dirty here. So Judas Priest, English heavy metal band formed in Birmingham in 1969. England. Birmingham, England, just to be specific. This is true. Birmingham. 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 Yes. Birmingham, England in 1969, and they have sold over 50 million albums. 11 top 30 albums in the UK alone and they are considered one of the biggest influences on the heavy metal genre next to their Birmingham mates Black Sabbath who are also from the same town and came out one year earlier than them. Only separated by one year. And about three miles. (laughs) Maybe. They were ranked by MTV as the second greatest metal band of all time after Black Sabbath. And they won a Grammy in 2010, which I didn't realize that until I read that today. In addition to the sound, Judas Priest is also known for being revolutionary in heavy metal fashion. So all of the black leather, the spiked wristbands, everything. Oh yeah,
1: they get full credit for
0: that yes so and we come to find out you know years later that it's because rob was really into like Gay SM. Yes yeah. And,
1: and listening to him talk <laughs> about it is hilarious. He's like, uh, how did you not know? He just yeah. flat out says that. He's like,
0: um, yeah, how did you not figure that out? <laughs> ah, I love it. They have released eighteen full length albums since nineteen seventy four. And a new one is due out very soon. You all right there? You okay? <laughs>
1: Hit the old noggin. How long have we been doing this? <laughs>
0: We're hitting the microphone. This podcasting thing is new to us. (laughs) Ooh, what's this? So that's Priest. Let's talk about Maiden. English heavy metal band formed in East London, 1975. They have sold over 100 million albums worldwide. They've sold twice as much. Twice as much. I never would have guessed that. I thought it would be kind of even, but... Well, we'll talk about, I think, why, but they are pioneers of the new wave of British heavy metal movement, which was in the late 70s and really influenced by Judas Priest. They have gone on to rack up over 74 major awards across the globe and I think that plays into a lot of why they have sold so many albums Mm -hmm. no band that I can think of has embraced touring the world Mm -hmm. as much as Iron Maiden Iron Maiden has played I guess Metallica is probably the only other one I can think of but they have played almost every country in the world that you can think of that Mm -hmm. would that would take them
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) when you think about them they're an international a true international sensation I mean there's a few obviously I I, don't know what I was going to say, even the Beatles. I don't know enough they, about them. Like South America, were they huge in South America? I but mean,
0: they probably are, but they obviously they didn't last long enough to ever tour any right. anywhere near Whereas the Iron Maiden is a household word. Maiden even in goes Brazil to or, India. Maiden goes yeah. to you know you name it. They've been there. If if there's scream one, scream for me, Bangladesh. Exactly, man. <laughs> so, like I said, they've won a major wars across the globe. So they've won Grammys, Brit Awards, Junos, honorary doctorates, state prizes. Some of the biggest music festivals in the world. They've won the honors and they've headlined most of them. And their sales recognition awards are just outstanding. I I don't I didn't look up these guys' net worth, but it's gotta be oh. pretty pretty much they have to be at the top of the heap with Metallica, I would think, when it comes to maybe ACDC. Yeah, because they're
1: just continuous hit makers just yeah, and touring. Just keep going. Now, they, you got to mention the one cool fact that makes them extremely different from every other band out
0: there. And? Their pilot. Oh, we'll get into oh, that. Okay, yeah, okay. we're going to talk about that. Yes, they, they have some very unique individuals. So they've had five number one UK albums. They've released 17 full-length albums since 1980, and the latest, Senjutsu, just came out this year. It reached number number 3 on the US Billboard 200. For people not from the US, that is an amazing feat because we don't listen to rock music in the US anymore. No. And the fact that any legacy metal band has is is able to do that is incredible.
1: Yeah, the average person over 50 hasn't gone and probably purchased new music in a long time, but they hear that coming out and that gets them off the couch. Yeah. Two
0: very influential bands and an amazing legacy for both of them. If you Google Iron Maiden versus Judas Priest, you will get a ton of pages, sites, blogs, videos just dedicated to the subject of the competitive debate between who rules mm. over Maiden and Priest. And why are these comparisons even there? You, you don't see this with other bands, but man, do you see it with maybe mm. Metallica and Megadeth because they yeah, have a history,
1: they, right? Exactly. Common membership an, uh, There's, an no actual com- competition.
0: There's no common membership or, you know, their paths crossed over the years, mm-hmm. but there was nothing to, to drive this. So I put together, this is my own list that I put together of why the comparisons. So let's just go through a few. Two of the biggest metal bands of all time, both from the UK, both have worldwide appeal that's synonymous with what we know as heavy metal. The only other two bands that truly represent heavy metal as much as these two bands are Sabbath and Metallica. Mm. I'm talking about grand scale. These are the grandest of grand scales. Both have genre defying vocalists who have soaring operatic styles along with their amazing screams right? Also, those two vocalists that you know of or who you think of to represent these bands, both were not the band's original vocalists. Uh, no, I knew that about Iron Maiden. Yeah, did so I know that about Judas Priest? Paul Diano with Maiden did yeah. the first two albums. That's well known. Judas Priest was formed by a guy named Al Atkins. He was their original singer. Now, he never got to record anything other than demos with them, but Judas Priest was his band. The, the name came from him. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> did he get kicked out of his own band?
0: Uh, yeah, he left. I think, I don't know if he was asked to leave or, or, or what, but basically once K.K. Downing and Ian Hill came in, they kind of went on the search and they found Rob. And so I mean, Rob at least Alfred Deano got a couple of albums and some tours and yeah. made some money from it. But so my understanding is there were some early demos that did not have any of the members that are in Judas Priest that we know a of. Completely different band. Completely different band. They just had the name. Wow. So interesting. And I never knew where the name of the band came from. I remember seeing something long time ago and one of the guys in the band, it was like, a documentary or something. Mm. He was explaining that we saw it spray painted on a van and we just thought it was cool. <laughs> and what I looked up, what I saw was there's actually a Bob Dylan song that has Judas Priest in the song title. It's not the whole title but right. something something Judas Priest. So they usually could have
1: stole it from Bob Dylan but disclaimed they saw it on the side of the but road. But never mentioned that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Until I read this. But get sued. Who, who knows. Okay. Here's some other comparisons. The reason we're comparing these two bands. The Twin Guitar Attack. Yes, guitar manies The intricate and amazing guitar harmonies that they both do. Throughout a lot of their songs. Now, Maiden has gone with a three guitar attack since 2000. So (laughs) they're they're, like, oh, really? They're adding adding one more, aren't they? It's it's always better with more. (laughs) Both have iconic genre-defining band logos and album cover artwork. I would say that the the tipping point probably goes to Maiden there with their mascot, Eddie, who is on every single cover that they've ever had over 18 Mm -hmm. albums. Judas Priest has had some just major genre-defining heavy metal covers, but they don't have a single concept. No. Although in the 80s, they are kind of all... Looked the same, the same, same style, but there was no recurring theme. But now their logos, both of them, mm-hmm. those logos the f- are those font, fonts are yeah, now the, f- the fonts are synonymous f- with heavy metal or hard y- rock. You get rock.
1: called out if your flyers for your local band uses the same font. People are like, "Oh man, you're a poser."
0: <laughs> Here's something that's interesting. Both began using synthesizer layering in the late '80s, that was very polarizing to many of their fans, and fans still talk about that to this day. So in 19. 19- 1986 Turbo came out for Judas Priest, had a lot of guitar synth on it. And Somewhere in Time came out from Iron Maiden, same thing. They had a lot of this guitar synth. Now, the funny thing there is both of those albums were my gateway drugs to these bands. That is when I got on board with both of them. So I have absolutely no problem with with those sounds and those albums. Well, priest, uh, that's true because Turbo Lover, the, the synth, I was totally into all of that but I don't remember, I'll have
1: to go back and listen to the Iron Maiden. Yeah, go listen to I Somewhere in Time. I can't think of the synth in that one because my favorite, my gateway to Iron Maiden was Trooper. Peace of Mind. Yeah, I album. mean, n- yeah. not even the whole album. In college, I had a friend that loved it and, For our first band It wasn't even a band It was just We played at a party We decided to play that Okay I had only been Playing guitar for About nine months And it was God I'm so glad There's no recording to that It was just The probably worst Rendition of the trooper That's ever been played In the history of the world But we had so much We had a lot of fun Doing it
0: (laughs) All right. so some other reasons That we were comparing These two bands Or reasons I think People compare these two bands Both of their Iconic lead singers So both Bruce Dickinson And Rob Halford Left their bands In the early 90s And both bands released. Released two albums with their replacement singers in mm-hmm. the 90s crazy that they that have weird, that the, trajectory yeah. both of them and both of them followed much harder times in the u.s now around the world never really faltered their success but in the u.s plummeted in the 90s they, when they had those the small venues yeah and i had the opportunity you got to see them at the masquerade which was brilliant for me i saw them at the masquerade a what 2000 at mm-hmm. the most cedar a club club And I walked up to Steve Harris and stood in front of him and just shat my pants. (laughs) I mean, just amazing. I love you. (laughs) Just amazing. That'd be cool. Now, also. Both of their iconic lead singers returned in the early 2000s to take their respective bands further than they did in the 80s. So they continued the legacy, whereas they could have just come back and done the whole legacy band thing. Yeah, play the hits. We're going to play the hits and get out. No, they both went on to still to this day they're recording new albums and when they release these albums they're going to number three number mm-hmm. one they're, <laughs> they're still killing it and some of that's nostalgia and some of it's just these bands have been established as the bands and so the even young people are picking up their albums because they know they've heard of these bands mm. so. so you
1: get the original fans now in their 60s 50s 50, 50, 60s yeah. I'm, I'm trying to make myself seem young but they keep picking up the new guys and yeah that's amazing to have five
0: generations of fans Unreal. Yeah. Priest were to go out before they had to halt their touring, that yeah. they were going out for their 50th anniversary tour. We saw them the tour 49th anniversary, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you and right. I saw them that way. Right.
1: Did I see that they're touring together next year? Well,
0: we're going to talk about that, but that is a okay, rumor. I keep I, keep I blowing keep seeing your, it as well. That is news. a rumor that yeah. 2022. Oh, okay, that so it's a rumor. Be, yeah, I don't know.
1: Have you bought your tickets to
0: the Bruce Dickinson spoken word? No, I have not. And did I, you see that? I did see that. I what do want to fly
1: in hell. Am I going to go listen to Bruce? Bruce Now
0: I'll, I'll do know, it. He's going to give us a fencing demonstration,
1: too. He, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, spoken word fits with some people, but I don't know. He's not angry enough to make it interesting. Now, if, he right?
0: were, if he were touring with Henry Rollins, I would definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah like I said, Henry this. Rollins, I'll, we we listened to, and it was entertaining, but I don't know. Like I said, it, Bruce Dickinson at <laughs> this point, <so> he to <laughs> talk about flying a jet or something.
0: I don't know. We'll talk about him a little bit later as well but both bands have gone down the progressive metal route in their later years as well uh, Kevin just did, quotation, yeah, I did air, air, air quotes yes, yeah, uh, to progressive metal I don't know what you're to call it but they've both started doing these more intricate longer form songs Judas Priest has pulled back a little bit from that but Maiden for sure they that's oh, God. that's where they're headed now so if you want to get into Maiden now you just get a strap in and yeah, put it, 90, 90 minutes on uh, the get your headphones <laughs> a comfortable chair grab a drink, 90 minutes on the clock, because that's how long you're going to be. Both bands have released a single concept record. Maiden had Seventh Son of a Seventh Son in the late 80s, and then Judas Priest had Nostradamus in the 2000s. It was an interesting one. I love Seventh Son. Not so much Nostradamus, but anyway. uh, Okay, we need a Kiss connection. Both bands... (laughs) We do. (laughs) Both bands supported Kiss early in their touring careers. Priest were the opening act on the 1979 Dynasty tour. That'd be a good tour. Disco Kiss... Oh, no, the Disco. Opening.
1: Okay, I'm, I got one year off there. Yeah, it was, it was Disco Kiss. It was yeah. the start of the dark period for and Kiss.
0: Then, <laughs> and then the next year, so Eric Carr's first tour, the Unmasked tour, which was them doing that kind of power pop, we don't know who we are thing, Yeah, Iron Maiden opened. So I can only imagine for both of those tours that, you know, the youngsters were like, hmm, boy, these openers are pretty good. I don't, I don't know what Kiss is doing, but hmm. <laughs> but there's our kiss connection for the day okay now those are all comparisons and all great reasons that we should compare these two bands Mm -hmm. major differences the biggest difference to me is the bass guitar style and presence you couldn't get more opposite than ian hill who's just going to lay down for the most part the root note and just chug along eighth notes versus steve harris who has developed his own sound for iron maiden he's the leader of maiden he writes most of the songs and his bass is just it, it's so unique mm. and he's developed his own galloping style so it always sounds like he's galloping like there's a horse playing his bass for him. Just such a unique bass guitarist versus Ian Hill who great bass guitarist but he's a pocket guy mm-hmm. kind of like ACDC you know he just lays it down. Not saying he can't play the hell of his instrument just yeah. very different. Also the drumming styles so Maiden has had two very unique drummers. First they had Clive Burr he left after Number the Beast and then Nico McBrain came in and And they both have their own styles that I have never heard any other drummer that sounds like them. Uh, Very similar to me to listening to like a Keith Moon or, you know, that type of drummer that you just know, oh, that's that is. Yeah, you can hear it. Versus Judas Priest, who have had literally six drummers since their uh, inception. Mm -hmm. Now, they they did have uh, Scott Travis come in, painkiller. So 1990, Scott Travis comes in. He's been with them ever since. So he's been the mainstay, first American to join Judas Priest. They've had other Americans sense, but that was also different for them. So those are the major differences that I can say mm-hmm. off the bat.
1: Well, and when we saw Iron Maiden, they had all original guitars, guitars that had been with the band, right? All three of them, had none of them were newer replacements, right?
0: Well... Yes, so Adrian Smith came in. He didn't play on the first album, so he came right. in second album. But, but I mean, but, my God, he's been there since 1980. That's what I'm saying. Like long term <laughs> members, because yeah. I
1: mean, when you say original, once again, yeah. there are no original yeah. members to Priest. But yeah. when we saw Priest, the only
0: long term members were Halford and, and Ian Hill. Ian Hill, yeah, I think right. Everybody yeah, else, yeah, yeah. New or... uh, well, because of the, and we'll we'll talk about uh, Glenn Tipton a little bit. Yeah. But he he has Parkinson, so he only comes out for the encores because he he does tour with him. He just mm-hmm. but he. He can't play the whole show. Kind of like when we saw Sticks, how the, bass, the oh, yeah, original that, bass yeah. player just comes yeah, out. Yeah, that for was a couple really cool. Songs. Yeah. Super cool. I love that. I think yeah. that's it great. It's a good tribute to them. Yeah. So, yep, that's the major difference. So, let's jump into this. So, the first battle that we're going to have here are the singers. We talk a lot about singers, and let's just jump into Iron Maiden, Bruce Dickinson. Now, he began his career with the new wave of British heavy metal band called Samson, and he went by the name of Bruce Bruce. Bruce Bruce. And he had a mustache. Go look it up. Oh, it's hilarious. Classic. Yeah, not a good look. Not no. a good look. So he replaced Paul D'Anno in 1982, just before they started recording the Number of the Beast album, which basically defined their sound going forward. Mm. And not- he
1: replaced him because Paul was a, a good singer, but very limited. Mm-hmm.
0: And he, I think he was, was unhappy with where they were going or what mm-hmm. they were trying to do. And- okay, so it wasn't all everybody else he was i think steve and, and paul knew that paul couldn't take steve where steve wanted to go with his songwriting right and so, yeah, I think they uh, they split. Okay. And Paul Dano, he's he's gone on to have his own career with other bands. He had mm-hmm. a Paul Dano's Killers, where they played his era. Mm-hmm. So really, he recorded the first two albums. A lot of people say that he brought more of a punk edge to yeah. Maiden, which also helped them in the UK to gain early popularity because they were blending that punk rock, that new wave of British heavy metal, where they were blending the hard rock and acid rock with the punk to get this kind of new sound and i'm more in his camp because i can't hit those notes that bruce does so well, whenever
1: I, it, true but when i hear the early stuff it's like yeah i can actually sing along with this because i'm not even going to try i'm going to hurt myself if i try to pull bruce bruce
0: now bruce bruce left maiden in 93 to pursue a solo career and he actually began that in 89 he had a song on nightmare on elm street 5 which i don't <sighs> remember there were five of those Oh, Oh, they're more than that. But he had a song on that soundtrack and I I actually don't remember it. And then I do remember in nineteen ninety he had an album called Tattooed Millionaire. Mm -hmm. And he had Yannick Gers as his guitarist for that solo album. When Adrian Smith left, that's when Yannick came into Maiden because Bruce had just worked with him. Yeah. So So that's how he got into the style. Yeah. So anyway, he's done six solo albums from 1990 until 2005. So he did one more solo album after he went back to Maiden. And since then, he's not done any solo albums. And the other thing that you were kind of alluding to, he's like the Renaissance metal guy that, he's a lead singer. He's a professional fencer. Mm -hmm. He used to fence in the, in the 80s, he would actually go to tournaments like on tour. Jeez. Crazy. He's a professional pilot. He's a certified pilot. He flies the 747. Yeah, not the that they Cessna
1: 120. Yeah. It's a-
0: Yeah, this isn't a hobby. 747. This yeah. is, This is like major hours put in- major tests that he had to pass to do this basically to be like an air force pilot in a way if you go watch the flight 666 documentary it shows the whole thing Mm -hmm. how he actually flies them to their tour stop their destination wearing his you know pilot uniform oh yeah he does the whole nine yards he's got his wings and his little stripes on his shoulder yeah and then he once he lands the plane he goes and he becomes bruce bruce yep (laughs) finishes the show
1: (laughs) goes takes a shower gets on the
0: plane puts his uniform back on and gets on the plane just absolutely crazy he's also an author. He's written both fiction and nonfiction books. He is a radio DJ on the BBC. He also was a beer maker. So Trooper, the beer that has Iron Maiden's name on it, that is all Bruce Dickinson. I think we were drinking that the night we saw them, right? We we certainly were. And uh, so he worked with Robinson's Brewery to come up with these flavors. And he's expanded the portfolio. Mm -hmm. And he's been able to take them into 40 countries. So this has pushed that little brewery further than they ever did before. I,
1: I need to write him a letter. I forgot that his beer helped me pass a kidney stone. That
0: night <laughs> Help flush it out. So four beers in, it finally came out. <laughs> yeah, let's let's send him something. We should just send him a, send, a fruit basket. Send, I'll send him the kidney stone. <laughs> I think I named it after here's Bruce Bruce. I named Bruce, it after Bruce. You. Well, let's listen to a little Bruce Bruce solo. So I'm going to play from his album Accident of Birth from 1997, which actually featured Roy Z on guitar and producing it, but also Adrian Smith. So he got Adrian Smith back, who was his you know yeah. former maiden kind man, of a family maiden. affair. A little yeah, bit. brought him in to do this. So I'm going to play the song Accident of Birth from the album of the same name.
1: Speaking as a single guy, I think that's one of the you know, worst things to think about. Is coming home and your friends going, "Hey, welcome home!" There, someone's got a baby over here. We didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to turn right back around and walk out. But do uh, <laughs> do. <don't, don't. laughs> so his solo work. I mean, I've heard his other the other solo album, "The Tattoo Millionaire." That was a like slightly different than Iron Maiden. But this mm-hmm. one, I don't know if I could say it's that. I mean, obviously the same guitar players, same singer, but. I can't say it's that much different in style. It's got just a just a fraction of a different rhythm to it, mm-hmm. but it, I mean it's good. It's really good. That's a compliment to say that it's you know sounds similar to the actual Iron Maiden band.
0: And, and this album is kind of right in the middle of his solo albums and it's Him, he had stretched quite a bit with the first three or four solo albums. And then when he did this one, he was really getting back to that kind of maiden type of sound. Yeah. And that's why he brought in Adrian. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I could have played some stuff and you would have been like, whoa, this is way different. So it it varies then
1: throughout the album. It does. It does.
0: And if you haven't heard all of the Bruce Dickinson solo stuff, I would highly recommend it. There's not a bad album. Mm. They have some crazy looking covers and titles and, but they're all good. It's all really good stuff. All right. So we're going to pit Mr. Dickinson versus Mr. Rob Halford. We need the the boxing bell. Ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> All right, so Rob Halford, he left Priest in 1992 and promptly formed this band that we're going to play called Fight. And he brought along Scott Travis, the drummer, with him. But Scott didn't leave Priest. This was kind of odd to me. They mm. He continued to be kind of in both bands, or maybe he had an agreement with Glenn and K.K., that he could do this. But to my knowledge, he didn't actually leave Priest. He just did this with. While they were with on a Rob. break or something. Yeah. So while they were trying to figure out where they were going, I'm sure. They released only two albums as Fight. So 93 and 95. And then they split up just before starting the third album. And I think part of that was because Rob was trying to figure out how he wanted to make his next move, which he, he made in 1998. He came out of the closet on MTV and announced to the world that he was gay. Mm-hmm. And he, I think think he was just saying, okay, I'm going to make this announcement. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm also going to change the trajectory of what I was doing. So he, he didn't release another Fight album. Instead, he put out an industrial metal album under the name Two, mm-hmm. which is a bizarre album that has, um, I think Trent Reznor had something to do with it. Oh, yeah.
1: I remember this and people were going, what the hell is this?
0: <laughs> but it that was, you know, at the same time that he made his announcement. I, mm-hmm. I think in his mind, and I haven't read his autobiography, which came out, I believe it was even this year it came mm-hmm. out. I haven't read it but I have a feeling that he really thought that it wasn't going to go well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think he, I mean, think of the, the masculine world. Oh yeah. The macho, macho metalheads. Yeah. And I I totally understand him going, you know what? Here it is. And I'll see you guys later. And I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go
0: do this hardcore other thing that you won't be into anyway. (laughs) So, exactly. But to my knowledge, I never heard anybody say anything.
1: No, it, it was time. I mean, if it had been 10 years earlier, who knows? But by 98, it was at the point where everybody loved him so much that what are you going to do I mean I'm sure there were a few people but an extreme minority that yeah, I just remember people nobody paid attention talking to about it like oh yeah. did
0: you see that he came out yeah, it but like, it wasn't like oh my god no I mean it <laughs> wasn't top okay. stories like,
1: like he said you're like Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I can see that. Okay, cool.
1: And maybe move
0: on. You know, you had your Freddie Mercury's, you had your Elton John's, who had already kind of come out yeah, and people it, already knew. So maybe it was just, it wasn't going to be that big of a And big he deal. wasn't,
1: let's say, as flamboyant. His way he dressed. He was in his own way. In his own way. But yeah. I mean, a lot of. Lead singers in metal bands were very similar, but and just, he was just a cool guy and nobody had any problems with it. I mean, it really wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And 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 now, of course, you know, was it, I'm doing the math real quick, 23 years later, you know, <laughs> sorry, I had, to do, I had to stop a second, and do math, but yeah, it's, and now, you know, it would be even less of a deal now, but that was one of the first times that, people confronted it and went, oh, okay.
0: Okay, whatever. That's cool. Yeah, so I do want to play something from Fight, though. I think the two albums that came out were really good, and I feel like he was going for coming out of Priest doing some pretty heavy stuff. I think he wanted to go even heavier, and I think he was looking for, you know, sort of that Pantera meets Thrash kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and that's sort of what Fight gives us. So here we go. We're pitting Bruce against Rob. So here's Rob's offering with Fight. This is Life in Black from War of Words, 1993. (laughs)
1: definitely less priest but I like the way the slower tempo just really opened up room for his voice because, I mean, that's what people come to see. The band is great, but his voice is what drives that band, and when they they play the really heavy, you know, painkiller, those type songs, you know, it's just a cacophony. It's just an assault on your senses in a good way, but this was kind of cool to let him have some space, and it wasn't over the top too much. That's why I tend to put Iron Maiden slightly above priest as far as preference, not that there are better bands. I don't even want to go into that kind of a debate. It's just for me personally, I find Iron Maiden just slightly more melodic, if you can even say that. But with Halford's voice, it's just incredible. And the fact that it's 70 whatever years old, he still sounded (laughs) damn good on stage. He's still doing it. Good god almighty and how many musicians can hit those notes at that age after doing it for all these years it's incredible
0: yeah so I cherry picked that song off of that album because mm-hmm. the rest of the album is pretty brutal with the other yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but I I love the pocket of that one and I yeah. just love the eeriness and the vibe that comes off in mm-hmm. that song all right so and
1: one more thing I mean that has more to do with okay, a little bit of grunginess to it because if you compare that to Soundgarden my favorite Soundgarden songs are this little bit slower ones they're just droney but then you know the vocals just come screaming at you because there's so much room for those so that's it kind of reminded me of that and that's another reason I like that
0: and that's exactly I think what he was going for this is 1993 when this came oh, okay. out then, yeah, this was him trying to separate himself from out. what had been done yeah. in the 80s and early 90s to move forward and I'm thinking I, outshined, you know yeah. sh- that tempo of outshine so I'm thinking he's taking everything that's heavy in yep. the current scene of 1993 and he's trying to bring that in, yeah, but okay, good job. All right, versus who are you going to call now? You're oh, only do we call- have to pick a winner. You got to pick a winner oh, on, on, come based on, on these two songs. You're going to get my ass kicked. The lead vocalist. You just want to see me get my ass kicked two again. Two amazing bands. Who's the winner? Oh, I'm going to have to give it to Priest on that one. Me too. Yeah. Me too.
1: I mean, the, the Dickinson song was good But it didn't stand out as much to me As the Priest song yeah. I mean, oh, I keep saying Priest song The Halford's excuse me <laughs> the Halford the song yes.
0: yes And I find myself Even though I love the Bruce Dickinson solo albums I told everyone to go listen to them I find myself going back to the Halford mm-hmm. solo stuff His band Halford I really love those albums And this was Fight I go back to these Maybe not as much as the Halford material mm-hmm. But I revisit Rob's solo stuff more than I do Bruce's Even though they're both fantastic mm. Two points for Priest in this one. Okay. All right. Let's move forward. Now, the next matchup are the band leaders. So, for Iron Maiden, the primary songwriter, the founder, the leader of Maiden is Steve Harris. He formed that band in 1975 and it took him all the way until 2012 before he released his first solo album, which was called Steve Harris's British Lion. And it's not exactly a solo album. A guitarist named Graham Leslie had given him a cassette tape back in the 90s and said, Steve, take a listen, let me know what you think. And Steve really liked it. And so Steve was sort of uh, coaching, I don't know what you want to call it. He was sort of helping these guys, you know, find their sound and Mm -hmm. he he liked what was there and then he started working with them and he was going to produce them and he was going to manage them and then he was going to write with them and then before you know it, years have gone by and he's like, let's just put this album out i put it out under my name Mm -hmm. and because i helped you write it and we'll call it steve harris's british lion Mm -hmm. and so the first album came out and it was very much a steve harris british lion but last year in 2020 they released their second album it was just the band was british lion Steve Harris is obviously the bass player in that band. So I want to play something from the second album because to me it was a lot punchier. It was more of an album mm-hmm. between a band and I thought the vocals were better. So let's play some British Lion with Steve Harris. Now he's taking a much different approach to his bass style in this band and you'll hear it here, but he's not doing the maiden thing so much. He's trying to yeah, he's trying to play a little bit different. He's trying to do a little more mainstream rock, a little less metal, a little less proggy from what he would normally do. So here's British Lion. This is Elysium from the burning that came out last year, 2020.
3: Life is hell when you're alone
1: Yeah, that kinda of sounded like a metal merillion. It sorta of did, yeah. yeah. Just a yeah. you know heavier version of that.
0: A little poppy edge to I don't know. Yeah, I liked (laughs) it. It's different.
1: I want to like it even more. What's holding me back is that freaking guitar tone. We've talked about it before. It sounds like he's plugged directly into the mixing board, Mm -hmm. comes out of the mixing board into a hard drive, and that's it. There's no personality, no warmth to it. It's just a lot of new bands sound this way. Now, the the lead at the end wasn't like that, but throughout the rest of the song, in my right ear, if you're listening to it on headphones, it's just sitting there. And the vocals were beautiful. The bass was great. Everything else was perfect. I, I I love that song, but I would love it even more if it just had a different guitar tone. See pick one. Anyone, <laughs> just
0: not I, that one. Yeah, I wasn't focusing on that as much though. Now that you say it, I know. And once exactly, I heard it,
1: I couldn't get it out of my head, the know, whole song.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. What I heard was why didn't they overdub some backing vocals?
1: Yes, yes. That was my so other point it was needed, it could have been soaring needed
0: harmonies. This song could have been like soaring huge, not yeah. huge on the charts, but huge just, just a bigger sound. It, it had room for a lot more more vocals on it's like there. there was no lift in the choruses because there was no harmony yeah to it god that, at yes. the end they added a little teeny bit i think there was one more voice yeah. at the end and i love oh, that no, no, no. there was part. so much room for some harmonies yeah. on that or just you know background vocals and that's fine if you know the guys the rest of the guys in the band just aren't singers but you're recording you, you have can, tracks <laughs> you can just we, we did that there. we
1: had four part harmonies and i was the only one singing
0: you're the only one doing it <laughs> Yeah. So that, to me, that was a miss there. Yeah. And and the whole album's that way. They don't, they just keep it bare bones, but... Now, when did you say this is 2020?
1: 2020, last year, yeah. So... More than likely, they were recording this in separate places. And
0: no, they rec- they released this in January, so it came out. Oh, okay. So
1: okay, I was going to say because most everything recorded, everybody recorded their part, sent it in. Mm. It, they, somebody else mixed it, and so it has that sound where it's you know people were in four different countries. But I was trying to give them an out. But if no, they're in the same room, they have no excuse.
0: Yeah, and that was my problem with the first album. I I like the songwriting, but the yeah, first songwriting's perfect. The first album, the singer is even less confident. Oh, okay. and he and there's no, no. The, no harmonies, and it's to. just. Just comes off out with really that. dry like there's no effect on his voice yeah. which I'm all for that I'm fine but sometimes there are certain singers who need some yeah. effect you need a little wetness to it mm. so moisture You, <laughs> need, you know, it needs to be moist moisture Yes. But no,
1: I, I 100% agree with
0: that. Okay. So Mr. Steve Harris is up against the Ooh, primary songwriter and leader of Judas Priest, who just happens to be Mr. Glenn Tipton. And he is the primary songwriter. He joined Priest in 1974 while they were recording their first album. So when he joined the band, he got to come in and lay his guitar parts down for their first album. And he had just joined. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> How's it
1: going, guys? He's been All on right.
0: every Judas Priest Let me album. just plug in here. <laughs> now, he released his first solo album and. now Nineteen ninety-seven took him a while as well. He enlisted a whole bunch of amazing guest players for his album, and we've actually played one of these cuts before when we did our Metallica episode that we did. It was a, it was actually a Degrees of Separation, of the Big Four, mm. right? And so one of the songs I played was something that Robert Trujillo played on, which was a Glenn Tipton song. We're not going to play obviously that same song, but he also had Billy Sheehan come in and lay down some bass. Our friend. He also had John Entwistle. So this is prior to John Entwistle. Our future friend way. Anyway, yeah. I don't think we're going to meet him. He's he's someday. Dead. <laughs> someday. someday. Don Airy, who was Deep Purple's keyboard player after John Lord, passed away. And Cozy Powell, another person who has passed away, he had Cozy mm-hmm. on drums. So we're going to play a song. They're all dead. They're all dead. We're going to play a song that features Billy Sheehan on bass. Cozy not Cozy dead Powell, yet. Not dead yet. We keep feeding him potted meat. He won't last long. <laughs> Cozy Powell on drums and Don Airy on keyboards. And before we get into that, I do want to mention that Glenn released a second solo album in 2006. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2018. 18 and has stopped playing on tour with the band full-time so he only performs the encores but he is still the main composer and still records with the band and apparently they're recording either now or they've already recorded so there's mm. another album coming out soon
1: he's the guitar player emeritus oh i like
0: that so here's some glenn tipton from 1997 from the album called A baptism of fire here's the song baptism of fire
1: Is peeling off the wall behind me. I'm going to have to fix that.
0: Now, I'm out of breath. Good Lord
1: have mercy. I mean, <laughs> holy hell, you just pulled that out of your ass and threw that at me. I'm like, what? Oh my God. I, I could have put on a song. I don't know what I was expecting though. I mean, uh,
0: yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I could have put on a, another song from that album. All the other songs are not instrumentals. It's Glenn singing and bless, quite honestly, Bless his heart. It comes across <laughs> to me like, he, here's his demo that he's going to hand to Rob and Rob will Rob will it sing up. it. Yeah, here's the words I want you to sing. But my God, man, when he gets those players <sighs> in a room with him and you hear something that Glenn has only just done in, in bits and pieces throughout the Priest catalog. He yeah. is just shredding the entire thing and he's not having to share it with KK. Uh-uh. And yeah, usually they, they trade off. They trade off and, and it's great, but yeah. to hear him just shred and then to have these players behind him, I mean, yeah. Billy Sheehan, dude, just hats off. Hats off.
1: I mean, of course, if you got Billy Sheehan, you're going to do this, but hats off to him for having a bass solo. I mean, two you, of them. Two, yeah. Two <laughs> bass solos. I loved hearing that. That was that was amazing. God, just that is shredding because yeah. it just really just tears up the guitar i don't know how he gets more than two or three uses out of each guitar he's got to just completely destroy him
0: i i I don't know
1: and how did the thing at the end i mean if you played it again i'd be like i I play guitar how do you do that yeah like i can't even picture where his fingers are to do those runs i mean just so fast and he's not and when he recorded this you said 2006
0: 97. Oh, 97. His okay. Second album. Second times, album. Okay,
1: sorry. But still, 97. He'd already been doing this for, you know, 25 years. That's insane.
0: And what I love about it is it's given him the platform to do something that he, like I said, only did in bits and pieces for yeah. Judas Priest because he had to share the stage and he had to. You got Halford completely I taking mean, the spotlight. Priest had some instrumentals, but never not like that. that. Not no. shred instrumentals. So. It was cool to hear him just let loose and just have fun. I can only imagine how much fun they had doing that. Yeah. So, all right, we have Steve Harris versus Glenn Tipton.
1: Man, you're stacking the deck here. That's that's a no-brainer. As much as I wanted to like that first song, got to go with Glenn. I am too. Two
0: points for Priest.
1: Yeah, he he earned that one. Earned it.
0: All right. Priest, Priest are racking up here so far. Let's. See what happens when we go to our next round where we have the guitarist. So, Mr. Adrian Smith joined Maiden as the second lead guitarist just after the first album came out. So, he is not the guitarist on Iron Maiden's self-titled debut. That was Dennis Stratton, and he left, and they got Adrian Smith in. But Adrian was the first of the original band that everybody knew. Mm -hmm. He was the first guy to leave. So, once they had established that sound when Bruce came in, by 1990, Adrian Smith said, "Eh, I'm not really digging where you guys are going for No Prayer for the Dying, so I'm going to go. And, and do my own thing. And he, that's what he did.
1: That's code for, I'm pretty comfortable financially. I want to go sit on the beach.
0: Well, he <laughs> he released uh so he did release a solo album prior to that and it was, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, I'm sure he would have expected it to. And I remember back then, and uh, that was the late eighties, he released a, a solo album, Adrian Smith project. And I tried to find it and I never could find it, but distribution as it was mm-hmm. in the eighties and where I was. So just didn't happen, and uh, he's done lots of other albums. And he came back and, and joined Bruce's band, like I said, in the nineties. And then when Bruce decided to go back to Maiden, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand period, he brought Adrian with him, and that's when they had the three guitar attack. Yeah. They didn't kick Yannick out and say Adrian's back. They just said, man, eh, we're just going to add Adrian back to the mix, and you guys figure out what you, what parts you're going to play.
1: Draw straws,
0: flip a coin, double it up. Who cares? Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> we're
1: Iron Maiden. Nobody cares. Exactly. I I, I appreciate the fact they brought him in. I mean, when I say nobody cares, more guitars?
0: Sure. Well, what's cool about Adrian Smith, and I didn't realize it until much later after he left, I kind of realized what was missing. But he's he's more of a blues guitarist by nature. So Mm -hmm. he always had, even though he played in a metal band, he always came... At it with a blues approach, and you can hear between Dave Murray and himself on those earlier Maiden albums that mm. you know are just iconic. You can sort of hear that a was, little
1: bit. Was he the one, or which one was the guitar player when we saw him? He's wearing white. And he was putting his foot up on the speaker stack, and like that's Yannick. Yannick putting yeah, his foot yeah. above his head <laughs> just to show that how flexible he was at whatever age he is. Yeah, and meanwhile yeah. I'm in the audience passing a kidney stone. Yeah. I'm like this is so- something's wrong. These guys are older than me, but you know he's yeah Yannick's the show. Yannick's the
0: show and he's the one that flings it around his neck yeah. and whips the strings with the, the cord. He takes the guitar cable and whips uh, the strings. and smacks, yeah, instead of using a bow. <laughs> Instead of using a pick. No, record. it was
1: great. It it, it was extremely entertaining. I, I'm sad that I had to wait that long to see them live, but yeah, we did it.
0: Yeah, but Adrian, he, he's a little bit more laid back, but Adrian was the guy who always did the backing vocals mm. back in the day, so Steve Harris would get up to the mic, but I don't know how much Steve actually sang, but Adrian turned actually turned way sang. down in the mix. Yeah, and he actually has a great singing voice. You can hear it on his solo stuff, and and just this year, so we're going to, we're about to pit two guitars against each other, both with albums that came out in 2021. Oh, Adrian Smith got together with Richie Cotson. So mm-hmm. if you're familiar with Richie Cotson, he was in Winery Dogs with Mike Portnoy, and he was in a weird version of Poison in the early 90s when Poison tried to go legit. They brought in Richie to be like this amazing bluesy guitarist and make them sound more real. <laughs> real. <laughs> you know, you know? Legit and real. And it's like, you're hmm. Poison, just be Poison. Yeah. You know. But anyway, was a, that was a weird album, man. But anyway, Richie Cotson, amazing singer, amazing player, just all around. One of those guys that can just do it. Wait,
1: all. was CC still with the band? They'd added him to the no, band, no, no, or they, they took got rid his of place? CC. Okay, yeah, that he, was one of the he times took the they place fired of CC him. Deville. Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah, and it was just weird, very bizarre. But anyway, he joined up with Adrian Smith, and they put out an album this year called Smith Cotson and they share vocal duties. So you're going to hear Adrian singing the lead vocals on the verses, and then Richie will come in on the choruses. It's pretty cool. Okay, so here's a song from Smith Cotson called Running.
1: It's pretty cool to hear his voice without Bruce, and you separate this too. This other it made me think of Zach Wild. Mm-hmm. Never under, I never realized how much he sounds like Ozzy until I heard him doing solo stuff and I'm like oh man of course I'm sure on stage he, uh, he did some uh, backup vocals and stuff like that because <laughs> yeah. he's got that that voice just like Ozzy has so in yeah. this case it, I, I'm, it was a I great mean, I'm match
0: not, I'm not saying Adrian sounds like Bruce no no but, but a, a good he blend he definitely has his he has his voice it, it, and blends and he blends well he and Kotsen have very similar similar voices yeah. so
1: I, I, there's a couple of times I couldn't tell them apart
0: well they're trading back and forth on the second verse quite a bit okay. like every every other line and they may have done that in the first verse but it's, it's hard to pick out yeah. but then when that chorus kicks in you can tell that's Richie taking mm-hmm. taking the chorus but those two guys really blend well together I don't know how they recorded this probably pandemic recording same thing these. they all probably have their own studios sure They just or here's, maybe.
1: My, here's my parts here
0: okay put yours on Yeah. but it sounds really good I was really impressed with this album and it, it's probably going to make my list for 2021 for sure at the end of the year but speaking of Richie Cotson Billy Sheehan when we mm-hmm. talked to him in Nashville he told us that they also recorded. So Portnoy, mm-hmm. cotson and and Sheehan recorded a new Runery Dogs album. So we've got that to look forward to at some point. But I really dug this, this album. I hope they do another one. All right, so we're going to pit Mr. Adrian Smith against Mr. K.K. Downing. So K.K. Downing joined the the fledgling priest in 1970 along with his bass playing buddy Mr. Ian Hill so they were the, they were the mm-hmm. longest members in that band the band that we know as Judas Priest Now he left Judas Priest in 2011 after the Nostradamus concept album which is a tough listen for me so he left after the Nostradamus album and he thought that was going to be retirement for the band
1: <laughs> okay yeah, I'm so, leaving so you guys
0: he kind of thought they had all agreed this was yeah. kind of it and and then he was having some issues with the band and with management so he was he was done anyway and then they decided to go on without him <laughs> and that didn't go over so well with KK but then you kept hearing uh, well I'm retired I'm you know I'm doing my own thing Yeah. but then when they started releasing new albums he's like wait man he's like wait 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 hold, hold, hold. <laughs> this is my band <laughs> <You know? laughs> so they are not uh, on best of terms and KK thought that for the 50th anniversary tour he thought he had another in yeah. again <laughs> Yeah, so, anyway, they didn't invite him on Oops. the tour. In fact, they, even with Glenn kind of taking a step out, they have Richie Faulkner, and they have Andy Sneap, who is their producer playing guitar as well. And Oh, is he also the producer? Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, so KK (laughs) finally said, okay, screw you guys. That's fine. I'm coming out of it. I don't understand
1: why. Now, I'm sure there was a lot of things that, you know, we weren't there, but for the 50th, you would have thought they could
0: have figured out a way to... Who who knows what his terms were. Yeah, true. Now, he
1: could have been saying, yeah, I'll come back if you do this and this. Who knows? But I'm kind
0: of glad it's going the way it is because to me, we're getting two albums out of this band, really. So what he's done is he's put together a band called KK's Priest. Now, I don't know if he's going to get sued or not, but this thing's come out. Mm-hmm. So KK's Priest, and he decided, you know what, if you guys are going to continue, I'm going to get Ripper, who was the mm-hmm. replacement singer for Rob when Rob left. So it's KK and Ripper doing a really heavy, painkiller, ripper error style album. Nice. And I think it's really good. I've heard a lot of people on socials kind of saying it's not so good. I don't know what they're hearing, because to me it sounds like KK Downing-style Judas Priest. Yeah. You'd be the Judge, I'm going to play Raise Your Fist from Sermons of the Sinner that just came out 2021. (laughs) ¶¶ like old times. Right and maybe that's why people are saying oh it's not whatever, because it, it does sound like they're trying to be priest but KK mm. is priest yeah I mean <laughs> Ripper came in he was for a while <laughs> well Ripper. he was in a cover band or tribute yeah. band I mean, that's where they got yeah him.
1: he he was in priest for a while so <laughs> still one of the best rock and roll stories out oh there. my god yeah they it's made a movie so cool. out of it right <laughs> yeah. I've still yet to see the movies I, I know it's not exact it's, to the I mean there's a lot of artistic license yeah, they took license, the concept is and, the concept yeah they took I would love concept. to see Okay the actual like a documentary that shows everything
0: the timeline oh my god I wonder if they had cameras rolling back then I don't know if they did but yeah god it would be really cool to see like when Ripper walks in and the audition and then yeah recording and, I mean
1: I think the story they what they call him and he hung up or something like that he's like or somebody somebody's screwing around with him yeah I don't,
0: I don't remember exactly because it's been a while but, but yeah I love Ripper Owens man I've seen him live a couple times mm-hmm. I, no matter who he's with he just just sounds like a pro yeah, he just brings it, and that guy's getting older too, and he still has the pipes. Nice. So, uh, okay, we got to make a decision here, though. We've got Adrian Smith. Oof versus K.K. Downing. Got to go with Adrian on this one. I'm the same way. Yeah. There's something about that Smith-Cottson album, man. It's just it's very different than Maiden. Yeah. And K.K. is very similar to Priest, but there's nothing wrong with the K.K. album, but something about that Smith-Cottson song and, and that whole album is just Yeah, it's really, stuck with really me just a really little cool. bit more. It's just u- a little bit more unique. Yeah. So, all right, points to Maiden on that one.
2: Scream for me,
0: It's okay, not a, not a shutout. The last battle we might have a tie, or Priest Ooh, may take. We him. have to go in extra innings. Well, speaking you know, of, okay, oh, speaking of, you want to talk about that? We haven't mentioned it this we whole haven't. episode. Yeah.
1: This will be old news by the time this. You very, know, yeah, airs. very
0: old news by the time this comes out. But we happen to be in Atlanta, Georgia. So not we're, just
1: Atlanta, Georgia. We're a mile and a half away
0: from the stadium, from the baseball stadium yes. where the Atlanta Braves. Well, they won in Houston, yeah, but, they're, but coming back. They're,
1: they're coming back. <laughs> they're coming <laughs> back. They're coming back for we, a, big had a big party. They had fourteen thousand. People in the stadium, even though they weren't Washington. playing there, yeah. and there was another fourteen to twenty thousand outside, where all the restaurants are, all
0: just down the street. Yeah, from you.
1: right down the street. I, <laughs> there is no way in hell I was getting in the middle of that. I'm like, no, I'm just gonna just watch it from the comfort of my own home because I knew it was going to be a, a madhouse down there. It was, but it, not in a bad way. But so, so congrats
0: you know. to our Atlanta, Atlanta Braves,
1: Atlanta winning the World Series. Chop, oh man, that's a, I love it. I love it. I'm not a sports fan at all, except for if I get on a bandwagon. Like nobody's business.
0: So <laughs> if I can see that we're almost there, I'm like, okay, fine. I'm a fan, yeah. For the last six games. Well, the funny thing is, when I was uh, in college, and you know, that's when like you're at your for most guys, that's yeah, when I was you're really peak. into your sports. Oh, yeah, you know, it means college football it means a whole lot more then than it does. You later didn't do in life, anything
1: but, else on Saturdays other than that.
0: But I remember that was when the Braves were starting to get really good in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Now they they won the series in 95, but mm-hmm. they went to. I mean, lost a few, but yeah. But anyway, when they were getting really hot and everybody, I got so sick of hearing about the Braves because everybody was just going crazy that I just for, I don't know, two years or so, and I was in South Carolina. I was not from Georgia. Mm. I did not live in Atlanta. I was just like, I don't want anything to do with the Atlanta Braves. I'm just sick of everybody making such a big deal. So I was rooting for whoever the Braves were playing. You You were their arch rival. (laughs) Yeah, I was just sick of it. And then, you know, so my roommates and my buddies in college, I'm sure they're all looking at at me now, like, oh, now you're rooting for the Braves. Like, well, yeah, I've lived here for over 20 years now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, grew can, on, it grew on you. I think I can say that my hometown, I'll support my hometown teams. Yeah. Same thing, I used to support the Carolina Panthers. I lived in the Carolinas when I moved to Atlanta after a couple of years. Uh, yeah, I'm an Atlanta It's Falcons easier to be a Falcon. Fan. Well, Falcons, good guy, they're a horrible team, horrible, but god awful. mess of a football team. But that's my team now. Yeah. That's my, this is my town. Yeah. I'm going to support my team. So
1: talk about bandwagons. I moved to Atlanta in 1995. Bam, they win the World Series. So I didn't have to suffer through all (laughs) those years of them being horrible. There used to be like 600 people showing up to their games total. And then I show up, they win the World Series. Hey, and now I'm an Atlanta Falcons. I mean, a Braves fan. And yeah, so then I forgot they existed for a while. And then all of a sudden, oh yeah, they built the stadium right down the street from the firehouse. And I'm not kidding. It's a mile and a half away.
0: Yeah, so a couple years ago, they moved the Atlanta Brave Stadium from downtown yeah. to where we are, which is just outside of the Atlanta area, yeah. really.
1: It's still technically Atlanta, but not really.
0: And it's really a nice place Super to go and ham. hang out. It's like a, a destination spot. It's not yeah. just a stadium.
1: So if you come visit us, we'll take you down there when there's not a game because you can go there and Best Cuban of sandwich in town. Yes, yes, whatever that name of the ra- that restaurant is. I know it's, it, where it's it is. It's El
0: Super Pan. Yeah, the super and, oh sandwich. Oh my god, it's so good. Yes. All right. Well, let's get Damn back. It, in. Now I'm <laughs> hungry. <laughs> <You're> sloppy Joe. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to try this. All right. So let's get back. We have one more right, battle royale. Focus, focus. Battle royale drummers. Ooh. All right. Outside of my wheelhouse here. All right. So, Nico McBrain. I don't know if you knew this. Is it Nico or Nico? Nico.
1: It is Nico. Okay.
0: Nico McBrain. He played with Pat Travers and the French metal band Trust before being asked to join Iron Maiden. I only know
1: one Pat Travers song. Boom! Boom! I'll go. To the lights is that's that, the that's one horrible. Most people know. Pat Travers is
0: good. He's yeah, he's still, good. He's I, that's what I'm saying. It's too. horrible.
1: I should know more than that.
0: Yeah. So he played with Trust. Trust played with Maiden. Clive Burr was leaving for whatever reason after the Number of the Beast tour. So Number of the Beast, great drums. Mm-hmm iconic drumming on that whole album. That's Clive Burr, that's not Nico. Nico came in after that and played on the album that has your favorite song, Peace of Mind. And he opened the whole album with just this amazing, crazy drumming on Where Eagles Dare. then he goes into The Trooper, and then you've got Flight of Icarus. I mean, that album to me is just outstanding. So... The drummer has a solo album? Eh, not really, but he- hear me out. Okay. In 2011, he was asked to participate in a fundraising single for an Armenian music school. We are the world. <laughs> sort of, basically, <laughs> basically what it was. But it was uh, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath oh. and Ian Gillen from Deep Purple were putting together this song to raise yeah. these funds for this Armenian music school. And they invited Nico to play drums. And on bass, they brought in Jason Newstead from Metallica. And on keyboards, John Lord from Deep Purple.
1: Yeah, when, just once, once you get Tony Ni- T- Tony Iommi signed up, you're going to get people returning phone calls yeah, after that.
0: I mean, just a who's who of heavy metal, hard mm. rock. Just you know, the icons. So let's see how this sounds. This is from the single "Out of My Mind." They called the band "Who Cares." <laughs> what do to name it? Who cares? Yeah, we all care.
1: All it right, sounds good. A good song but what happens a lot of times where these super groups get together and it's not just in metal all kinds of different collaborations it's kind of i don't know the top edges are taken off just a little bit it's not quite is out there some of the other music they're all just kind of you know wanting to put something together and it's good it's never that really good i don't know a lot of examples of collaborations like this that really knock it out of the park to use a
0: we should do a show on that.
1: Yeah, hmm. collaborations that just struck out, or you know, not necessarily strike was it, out. Was it meh? It was, it was. It was like one more than meh.
0: Okay. All right, like just I was digging it. It, it definitely drags a little bit. They yeah. could have uh, edited it a little bit yeah. there, but you know these are a bunch of old guys getting together, and they're going to do what they want to do. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but there's there's been a number of times where I hear, oh, so and so is getting together with so and so with so and so. Now one of the eg- exceptions to that, I think, not in the metal world, but traveling woolberries. There was a lot of talent in that band. I'm talking, you know, Bob freaking Dylan and a uh, band with you yeah. know the other guy Tom Petty and uh, Jeff Lynn and George Harris, George Harris uh, and Roy Orbison. I mean. My God, the amazing talent that's in that room together. I hated that. I boy. know, I know, I, I know. Hated it. But there's a lot of other people in the world that thought it was really good. I, and know. I think it's catchy. It was not like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. But I think that was better than some of the other. Hey, let's get together and do a super group thing. Now,
0: I think I would uh, give that another shot though, because I, as I say that, I hate that that band. I haven't listened to that since it came out.
1: Now, where were you when it came out, though?
0: Of, I was a kid. You were a kid, and, and you I was were, into metal. Yes, and, and punk. so
1: go back and. Listen listen to it now with a little bit of age on it yeah. and appreciate that Jeff Lynn's the only one <laughs> left. And there's the one guy that I don't know who he is. So, you know, there's in that, the, on the album cover. That was Wilbury. Was that the, he was the <laughs> one that was traveling all the time. <laughs> but although you can recognize everybody then there's this one guy that I'm like, who the hell is that?
0: Maybe okay. we'll roadie? have to look that up. I'm yeah, not sure.
1: And, I'm, you know, somebody's going to go, oh, that you dumbass, that's so-and-so that you should
0: know. Oh, wasn't it Robbie Robertson from the band? Maybe
1: maybe that? it was that. I just Somebody. didn't recognize but anyway. Maybe so, I'm wrong Again That's just one of many examples Was not my jam that But they jam. actually had some success And you know It was it, But yeah I think if you went back And listened to it more Just for a You know Sunday morning Hangout type thing That you might like it Slightly more I don't know if you're going to like it Like it though so, Okay you, I managed to work in Traveling Willberries Into a discussion about Of Iron Maiden, Maiden and, and
0: Priest, and priest.
1: I get hell? points for that For completely derailing This might conversation Might as well start talking
0: about Neil Young Oh <laughs> His All collaboration right. with... No, never mind. Not sounding good for Maiden. Nah. So, well, let's just Damn see. It. All right, on the priest side here, the first American to join Judas Priest was Scott Travis, and he was drummer number six. He joined in 1989. They went to the uh, uh, Spinal Tap school of
1: drummers exploding. They just kept exploding, yeah. <laughs>
0: Boom. Yep. It, it, well, it's it's kind of funny you say that because they had Dave Holland in the 80s, and he went on to be a, a bad dude, like molester, Ooh. bad guy guy but his last album was called ram it down and <clears throat> it, he actually wasn't on it it was all program drums kind of like what typo did
1: oh because he was kind of doing time or something no he just they oh, just, he just
0: that's what they were going for at yeah. that point in time so he, i don't even think he played on it <laughs> So he was out. Scott Travis comes in and he is part of the reason they had their return to heaviness because he brought really heavy drums. He brought that amazing double kick that he has. And Painkiller is Mm. the first album that came out. And that album starts with a Scott Travis uh, showcase on the drums Mm. before that song even gets going. Now, prior to Priest, he was in several LA bands, including a shred guitar band called Racer X, which featured Mr. Big's Paul Gilbert. So before Paul went on to form Mr. Big with Billy Sheehan, we keep bringing Billy into this. He was in Racer X with Scott Travis. So we're going to play some Racer X from 1988. This is a live cut off of Extreme Volume Live, and this is called Into the Night. Into the Night.
1: Pretty amazing, to do that live.
0: Yeah, I wonder how live that actually is because that crowd is going really crazy for the club that they were playing in. Yeah, I mean, and it sounded like they were playing. <laughs> they definitely piped in some some uh, audience okay, so noise.
1: Uh, that being said, okay, really talented. That was amazing show off song for a lot of those guys.
0: 1988 LA bands. Yeah.
1: yeah. Now when was this recorded? 88. 80. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's because I couldn't remember what date you said, but by listening to the lyrics alone, the music could have been 90s, 2000s, but the lyrics were 100% Don
0: Dokken era oh, yeah. lyrics <laughs> into the that
2: night. Was, <laughs> that
0: was very, uh, Ron Kill could have written those Ron lyrics, Kill man. could have totally written that. Yeah. Probably better. Better, but yeah, yeah. it's very much that style of fist pumping. Exactly. But as
1: far as the music goes, those guys were in their prime and just shredding it. All right.
0: Drummer against drummer.
2: Dave.
1: Priest got it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, when you break it down like that, once again, if it's the whole band together. I just ever so slightly prefer Maiden, but when you break it down into parts like that and you pit them against each other, throw them in the ring, poke them with a stick, yeah. So, yeah. They they edged out Maiden. I'm
0: surprised. (laughs) So when it comes to the degrees of separation, mm-hmm. the parts and pieces of the folks who make up these bands, yeah. we are going with Judas Priest. Yeah. You've found yet another way to make me look like an idiot. <laughs> 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 I actually—it's not hard. Don't worry. Well, I actually have a little bit of a, a shrine to Maiden in my man cave. Yeah, and I only have a poster of Priest and an, an album of Priest up. So you know, I try to give love to both of these groups. It's really, really hard to to pit the two against each other. I would probably give the the edge to Iron Maiden mm-hmm. as well because that was my first love. That was the f- you know the first band after I was into punk rock, mm-hmm. and and then I as I got into Metallica after Master of Puppets came out, I. I Started going a little deeper into metal, mm-hmm. and when I discovered Iron Maiden, it was just all done. Like I was just a Maiden junkie yeah. for you know probably the last half of the eighties. Yeah, maiden I had heard
1: of uh, Priest first because they had some me classic too. rock hits. Yep. Uh, the you, know, you got another thing coming and heading out to the highway. That was Judas Priest to me, and it was just like okay, just like a lot of other classic rock songs. You your head to it. That's good. Then I heard Iron Maiden, Trooper, Number of the Beast, Run to the Hill, Run to the Hills, especially that song. Absolutely, well, bur- that's Clive
0: Burr playing those. Clive- Remember, yeah
1: that galloping yeah. just and with the bass you said the galloping bass all of that just grabbed me and then later on it, I became, had more of an appreciation of priests when I found out like the Turbo Lover I was the one everybody rolls their eyes at that, some, that guy that likes well, Turbo
0: Lover yeah so the same year that I got Somewhere in Time and I got Number of the Beast I bought those on the same day I remember very well I bought uh, those two tapes at Walmart oh I'm sure it and was, uh, it, was it was 1980 a lot of headphone time for you 687 and yeah. within a couple of weeks, I got turbo. Mm-hmm. So I was I was into Maiden and Priest at the same time. And I, like I said, I give the slight edge to Maiden because yeah. to a 15 fourteen, fifteen-year-old, the whole imagery of Eddie mm-hmm. had a real massive appeal. Especially since I was really into horror movies and still am. Oh, so I totally it just see that had this massive appeal to me on a visual spectrum. Mm-hmm. And plus, I'm just an art guy. You yeah. Know? So again, give the slight edge to Maiden, but I love both of these bands of so much and. You know, just the sum of all these parts. I mean, you heard today all of these great songs and other things that these guys did, taking breaks from the bands that made them famous. Yeah. And it's still pretty amazing. So,
1: And the fact that you found a way to play Priest and Maiden <laughs> yeah, on this show but, yet again. Yes, I score. find
0: ways. I find ways to get into the mainstream Yes, and still be a, somewhat obscure. So what about the bands? What do Maiden and Priest think about each other? So did you know... <laughs> that Maiden (laughs) opened for Judas Priest on their British Steel tour in 1980 and again in 1982 on the Screaming for Vengeance tour. Maiden had Number the Beast out and Priest were touring on Screaming for Vengeance. I can't even imagine what that was like. Imagine having that as
1: your creds. You're like, yeah, I saw them both
0: back to back on the same stage. Yeah. Let us know if you saw any of those shows because that had to be amazing. Now, like we said at the beginning of the episode, there are rumors that Maiden and Priest are going to tour next year in 2022.
1: That's going to be massive
0: if they do. I hope that's the case. They will both have new albums out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be... I'm assuming that Priest would have to open and Maiden would close. But who knows? They may just flip it you know every other
1: show or something like that.
0: I don't know. I mean Maiden's going to say, "Hey dude, we we've doubled your number." Yeah,
1: that's true. So. They they may pull that out. You pull out the album sales <laughs> card. Album sales have card. you seen the charts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but again, both just yeah. amazing amazing bands and I'm going to play out a song today. We don't have to review it. We're just going to play play this as our playout, yeah. but in uh, 2000 Rob Halford put together a band just called Halford and he released his first album with that band called Resurrection and it just so happens to have a song that he co wrote with bruce dickinson and they recorded a duet and it is called the one you love to hate here is rob halford and bruce dickinson together on the same song see you next week later go braves